Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 469. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Oh, hi. We've got a two for this week. Uh, we're going to be out next week, so we figured, hey, let's let's give you two reviews. How about that? Yeah, two, two newly released horror movies. We're going to be talking about Sick and Skinamarink. And then we're also going to be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD, Blu-ray, all of that fun stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be great. Let's go ahead and dive in. Dive straight on in. Also, uh, we're going to be doing recording Saved by the 90s this week, so that should be popping up soon. Uh, we are going to be covering the Nightmare on Elm Street TV series, Freddy's Nightmares. Okay. I'll tell you what the nightmare was. Watching that show was the nightmare because like it was one of the worst television shows I think I've ever seen. Wow. It is so atrocious. Just, uh, yeah. So stay tuned for that. It should be a fun discussion. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with sick. Okay. Let's get that. Let's get that one. That's uh, that's funny because that's actually what what I was going to suggest too. So, so sick is directed by John Hyams. I have a synopsis here. Due to the pandemic, Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone, or so they think. This is a Peacock original, so you, if you have. Peacock, if you're one of the four people that has that subscription, you can check it out. Uh, Blumhouse yeah. Blumhouse put this one out. Yeah. So yeah. what yep. you have here is a is a it's a pandemic slasher. I uh, think that maybe we've seen this before. I don't even know at this point. But I feel like this is a movie that either came too early or too late. I feel like it, it it's too early. For us to be like feeling nostalgic about the pandemic, like <laughs> remember when we had to do that? It's, it's too early for that, but it's too late in that we want to forget about what we had to do. Yeah. Yes. So it, it's like a weird. It, it's like a weird. Uh, I think it it came out at a weird time. Uh, but I think that that's probably the least of the the problems with this twenty 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 three, where you know. COVID is ramping back up to a ridiculous degree. Let's yeah. do it. Exactly. So what are your, what were your thoughts on sick, Kevin? Uh, I, I would have asked it, were you going to suggest this one first? Because there's not really a whole lot to talk about when it comes to yeah. the movie sick. From yes. 2023. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. <laughs> that's, that's why I was picking it. <laughs> that's why I picked it as well. This is one of those movies that if it's, it needs to check a lot of boxes in order for me to like suggest it to you. And the main box is like, Hey, do you have Peacock? And like, that's really it. Like, <laughs> you don't have a lot of other options. Like you don't have Netflix or Hulu or Criterion channel or movie. And if you only just have Peacock, oh, dude, definitely check out sick on Peacock. Yeah. If, but, you're, if you're already paying for Peacock, why not? Yeah. you got to at least get your money's worth. But if you do not have Peacock, you're fine. You're fine. You don't have to worry about ever seeing this. So the thing is, I like slasher movies. I, I pretty much any time a new slasher movie comes out that has even a, a small budget, I'll I'll check it out. And this is 
it's a serviceable slasher movie. Like it's, I didn't have any kind of inherent issues with it. I, I was entertained by it. I enjoyed myself for the most part, but at the end of the day, the gimmick here is the pandemic. Like that's, Mm -hmm. it's all about the pandemic. It's shoving the pandemic in your face constantly as if we haven't had it shoved in our face over the last, you know, two plus years. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you take away the pandemic and this is like the most generic slasher movie ever. Yeah. And I don't know if it also plays into the fact that me and you both just got over COVID. Oh God. Yeah. So so it's even one of those things where it's like, yeah, nah, nah. like I'm tired of COVID as like, how it affects my day-to-day life, but I'm also tired of COVID because I just experienced it firsthand. That being said, I think that the, that this movie did do a number of things that were interesting, maybe were a little bit against some of the slasher tropes. You had uh, the two friends here in this were pretty smart. I, I think that they made a lot of the kind of right decisions when it came to handling a a home invasion type situation. And the other thing that I will give this points for is the makeup work. I think that the, the makeup effects work in this was, was quite good. I agree with those things as well. Performances across the board. I think we're fine. Nothing amazing, nothing horrible either. I mean, all of, all the actors were, good you have uh, Bethlehem Million and Gideon Adlon as the the two leads and then you have uh, Mark Menchaca and Jane Adams in here so you know decent decent performances across the board I did I kind of liked I kind of liked the 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 reveal and like when everything was kind of brought out in the open i did kind of like that i do feel like peacock is like their original movies because this is they also released that um that one with kevin bacon like the conversion camp one okay and i feel like i feel like peacock is going down this like super woke route that that i don't i don't really have a problem with it but it is a little bit uh it's it's very on the nose with with that movie and this movie too. And I feel that with a lot of movies, it's not necessarily like a woke thing, but just more so of like a like okay, what's the what's like one of the main topics of discussion right now? Oh yeah, like you know, like oh, everything, yeah. even the movies that are being made feel like they're being filtered through an algorithm for like engagement, you know. Yes, which uh, is very much so. Which is getting really difficult because it's not, it's not hidden that well. Like it feels really obvious, and it's just it's tough to watch because that's all that at least for me that's all I can think of in the back of my mind. Yeah, uh, very very much so. Yes. So and this is definitely this is definitely one of those movies that has a pretty on the nose message with it. Whether you agree with that message, well, I, I hope you would agree with that message to a certain extent. But 
To a certain extent, but I also like how that message is completely undermined by one exactly one line from Gideon Adlon's character. Yep. But I don't know. You know, like like you said, if you take away the pandemic thing, this is nothing. This hey, it wouldn't work because it hinges all on the on the pandemic. But if you were somehow able to make it work with taking or you know removing the pandemic aspect of it. There's nothing really going on here. It's yeah, it's just a pretty, it's a pretty average, just slasher movie. I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's decently written, but yeah, it's just extremely forgettable. Agree, agree. Very forgettable. I definitely, by the end of the year, will not remember that I saw this movie whatsoever. No, <laughs> I could guarantee you that. So. All right, if you have Peacock, check out Sick. Let's give it a score. I'm pretty much straight down the middle on this. I'll give it a five. Uh, I give it a four. All right, there you have it. Let's move on. Wow, that 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 was a pretty quick review. That might have been one of the fastest ones we've ever done. <laughs> Which is good, I think, because I think there'll be far more to say about Skinnamarink. Yeah. I don't think you want, like, two back-to-back, like, Damn, we have a shit ton to say about these two movies. All right, let's talk about Skinnamarink. This is written and directed by Kyle Edward Ball. I have a synopsis here. Two children wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing, and all of the windows and doors in their home have vanished. Now, if you haven't heard about this one, this is this one's getting a little bit of like kind of viral buzz online. I think people on like TikTok are, are starting to buzz a little bit about this and it played festivals last year people and so there's been a little bit of a kind of a groundswell around this one this is a shutter film uh so i imagine it, it will be on shutter soon it is currently playing in theaters which is kind of weird wild yeah <laughs> yeah especially because this is a an hour and 40 minutes long, and it is a very experimental, extremely subdued horror film that Which, yeah. is, I can't imagine many, like, mainstream audience, audience members being into this. Yeah, this is, it's also wild to me that there's... A, a large group of TikTok that is behind this because it's just like this is like the antithesis of that. Like this is requires patience and yeah. like a long attention attention span. Like it's just kind of everything about this. The whole history of this movie is bizarre to me, and it just keeps getting more bizarre because it's in theaters. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I will be honest, I really didn't have the patience for this movie. This was uh, this was hard for me to get through because there was just nothing for me to really grab onto. Like every time something would happen that would that would kind of like be like, "Oh, oh." They would like pull back and and so every time there was like something going on in the next for the next like 20 minutes, it was literally just like baseboards. Just just mm-hmm. looking at some baseboards, looking at some corners, hearing some kids whisper. 
uh, royalty-free cartoons playing on the tube. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was a bit of a struggle for me. It, it's, it's the type of movie that I wanted to like. Like, I really wanted to be into this because I do kind of like the analog horror stuff. And clearly this is influenced by, like, you know, the, the YouTube, like, ARGs and stuff like that, where you, like, the back rooms and all of those different uh, ARGs that have been floating around over the years. But the thing is, like, I've seen a lot of those that, that handle this type of thing in a more interesting way. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, I feel like this is just not something that worked for me entirely. And I think the craziest thing about this movie is that I can 100% agree with you. And then also 100% disagree in in some ways. I can. I, this is just a movie because it's it's so experimental and it's trying something very different. And I think it excels in some areas and not so much in others. But it's one of those where I can agree. Like if you were to say, "Oh man, I just thought this movie was fucking incredible," really got the atmosphere, you know, and just praise, praise, praise. I could I could sit here and be like, "Yeah." Yeah, I could see that. I don't necessarily disagree with you. But if you're also the person like you, or maybe even someone that goes even further, and it's just like, nothing fucking happens in this movie. There's like, what the fuck? This is nothing. Like, I can't disagree with that either. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I can see that too. You know what I mean? Like, I can see both sides. Like, if you loved it or if you hated it, I can be like, yeah, I agree. I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I could see that too. This is a movie that completely hinges on atmosphere. It's all about atmosphere. Uh, and and if this type of atmosphere gets under your skin, if it bothers you, if it reminds you of a time where, like when you're a kid and you're you have to like get up to use the bathroom or you want to go to the kitchen and get a glass of water or something and you have to navigate through the dark house and everything is horrifying if it you know <laughs> evokes those memories for you, I could see this being very effective. Also, if like kids creep you out you know there's because there's a lot of creepy kid whispering in this and there's some jump scares too like there's 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 a few jump scares here and there i will say if you are familiar with some of the analog horror stuff on 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 uh on the interweb like you've probably seen some of what's in here before like faces that have like creepy smiles and big eyes and stuff yeah. And I think this is this is one of those movies that has a very like a, uh, a very specific environment in which it should be watched. Like to me this is something that has to be on a, a laptop when you're in your room lights are out and it's got to be like 11, 12 at night. You know what I mean? To watch it. You got to watch it in the dark because this whole movie is dark. So if yeah. you're watching it like during the day when there's like, you know, tons of light coming <laughs> into the room and, and it also, I understand why it, it also makes sense why this is being pushed in theaters because while I understand that it, it does give you that kind of more isolated environment, um, I can't imagine watching this in a theater, <laughs> like sitting there for an hour and 40 minutes. 
Yeah, and especially and if you were to, if you were to do that at like uh, you know the eleven thirty showing. Oh yeah, I wouldn't make afternoon. it. I wouldn't. <laughs> in the, well, in the afternoon. Oh, in the <laughs> Imagine afternoon. like watching this and then coming out to the sun. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I gotta get lunch. <laughs> you know, it would just like you. It would just be like you know, just a nothing of a thing. You would just be like, all right, time to eat lunch. There's some chores to do. There's really no narrative to speak of here. I mean, the synopsis pretty much covers everything. It's you know these yeah. these these kids all this. I mean, when when I was going into this, I was like, okay, well that's enough for me. You know, like I'm already kind of into it. Two kids. It takes place in the '90s. Two kids wake up. All the windows and and doors are missing. They just dis- straight up disappear, and they're in a house that has no windows or doors, and their parents are gone. Like that was enough for me to be to pique my interest. But then you have this like crazy uh, way of filming where it's. I don't know. What is this? 16 millimeter, eight millimeter. Like, how is this? I don't know how this is shot. It seems maybe 16, but it also seemed it's they like 16, but maybe they use like really old stock or maybe they, um, like digitally added more green and, and, or maybe they even like made it dirty, like deliberately or something. But man, I loved the way this movie looked. I, I will say that. Like, I feel like that they really nailed the kind of creepy visuals of the house. Like, just shadows everywhere, weird angles. Like, nothing is in frame. Everything is out of frame. Like, the camera's all over the place, but never in the right place. I I thought that that was all great. The only problem yes. I had with that was that it was it just never knew when to give it up. Like it never knew when enough was enough to to me. Yeah. And this was shot digitally apparently. Oh, okay. So then, so I guess everything was added in post then it looks, it looks great. Yeah, it does. It does look great. And I think that there's, to me, I think they nailed the atmosphere. Like, I think he nailed the, the sense of being a kid. And your house in the dark being absolutely creepy and unsettling. I think you got that. I just don't know if that was enough to sustain an hour and 40 minutes. Because a lot of it, it does kind of seem like filler of baseboards, ceilings. Mm -hmm. Carpet. Legos on the carpet. Yeah, the top eighth of a TV. Lots of uh, clips from, I mean, a large chunk of this movie is probably spent just looking at a TV with cartoons. Yeah. And that's that's why I mean like the experience of watching and I'm like, you know, like I said, I can go either way with it. Or I, you know, I could agree with so I'm not going to argue with anyone's outlook on this movie or how they feel about it. But at the same time it's just insane to me and I'm kind of really happy that this is happening that this is in theaters this made the theater like to me that's just like counted as a win chalk it chalk it up because it's you know like that's just nuts to me yeah it's wild man like it's absolutely wild that this is getting the kind of notoriety that it is 
And that's how I feel is where it's like, I really don't care about how I feel about this movie. I'm just happy that this is actually in theater. And the thing is, like, in theaters. even though I would say that this wasn't necessarily, I, I wasn't necessarily in love with this movie, but I hope it does well. I hope it does so, so well, in fact, that it makes it, it it opens the door for like more movies like this. That's, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it's a success. I hope that it does well at the box office and I hope the people, the right people find this movie and really latch onto it and use it as maybe a springboard for other projects or, you know, whatever. Which I think I think they did because the only reason that this is in the theater, I think, is if you go back, what was it last year when this movie leaked and was tormented by a bunch of people and everyone couldn't stop fucking talking about it. And that, you know, essentially created all this PR for this movie. Like if that didn't happen, there's no way this would be in the theater. Yeah, absolutely no way. It would just show up on Shutter one weekend. And there you go. Maybe some people talk about it. Maybe they don't. I'd be curious to see like how I didn't know I didn't know that this was leaked, but I'd be curious to see like how that how that affected it. Like if I mean I would imagine that in this case it helped it. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Mm. And I think that kind of plays into it too. Like if you were to find this, you know, because this is this is a type of movie that's perfect for word of mouth. Like oh, if you yeah. just discovered this and downloaded it and watched it and then told me about it and I watched it, I think we would be saying completely different things if we were a part of that. You right, know what I mean? yeah. I mean, I I remember, so I, I think it, this was at, like, Sundance or something, and I, I remember reading about it and looking into it, and I was like, oh, that, that seems kind of interesting. But then, like, I started seeing it pop up on TikTok. People started talking about it on TikTok, like, one of the craziest movies you're going to see this year, Skinnamarink. And I'm just like, What? That's so bizarre. And I mean, all of that, all of those things happening to me, (laughs) it's just like, who cares about whether this is good, not good. Like I just, you got to hand to, you got to admire everything that's happened with this movie and where it's at right now. It does. It does definitely evoke memories of the Blair witch. Like Mm -hmm. it's, there's definite, like it, it does make me think about, the Blair Witch Project and what a weird, like kind of viral marketing thing that went through. Cause that, that was a very similar thing where it, that's a movie where when you see it, you're just like, I can't believe that made it into theaters. And that was like a huge hit, you know, like I, I mean, Skinner Inc is way more experimental and way more abstract than the Blair Witch, but yeah, just the, uh, the kind of word of mouth, uh, you know, praise that this is getting. It reminds me of it. Also the, yeah. you know, you, you never see anybody. Everybody's pointed towards walls and that, that type of stuff. I mean, there are some creepy unsettling things in here. Oh, sure. But I think, I think they're just, they're spaced too far apart for yeah. me. You know, where you're just like, oh, something's... Uh, okay, no, baseboards. I, there, I just right. really didn't... 
it didn't need to be an hour and 40 minutes. I mean, this is adapted from a, sh- a short film from the same director, and I didn't see the short film, so I don't know. I, I can't compare the two, but, like, I feel like this could have just easily worked as a short film. This could have worked as a YouTube video, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I did I did admire it on a lot of levels. I did enjoy a lot of things about it. Like you said, the cinematography, the way it looks. So at least it had that. You know what I mean? At least it wasn't visually, you know, unremarkable. Because then that would have been just an absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> so at least it had that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, at the end of the day, with experimental films, a lot of times, you know, some things work, some things don't. And at the end nah, of the day, it's I like, did- if it spoke to you great if not you know and it's to me with when it comes to experimental films like this it's like you you and the movie have to link up like it's got to be the right timing and if you just don't link up at the beginning of it it's 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 gonna have a hard time working now back during our year-end discussion i i had mentioned this this movie when when you and Ken were talking about we're all going to the World's Fair and I saw some other people online kind of talking about that movie alongside this movie because they're both kind of like you know creepypasta inspired movies that that you know take cues from kind of internet stories and and things do you think that there there is a comparison there and I take it that we're all going to the world's fair was more engaging for you. Not only was it more engaging, but I thought it was far more of an exploration into something. You know what I mean? Like it had something to say. Well, yeah, I mean, it feels like it's trying to capture that. Like, Hey, you remember when you were a kid and you had to wake up and the house was scary. And that's, that's kind of it, right? It doesn't have anything to say on like our current condition as humans. Like where we, right. you know, where we find ourselves now. Yeah. Um, whereas I think technology and everything, this is just like a very specific. Right. And that's it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whereas we're all going to the world's fair told a, an internet style story in, uh, in such a way that it was actually an exploration of that culture. This is just like using that style, that analog car style to convey a you know a light horror story the world's fair had me thinking about a lot of things afterwards the only thing this had me thinking about was oh man you remember eureka's castle (laughs) because i was trying to remember where the skin marinky dinky dink song is from and i was like was it eureka's castle but i feel like maybe it was because it was some like elephant show and I'm like, was that on before Eureka's Castle came on? And I, because it always played at the end of this show. I was trying to think of that too. Was it Sharon Lois and Bram? Was that? Oh, it says the Elephant Show. Yeah, which I'm like, did it? Was that? Did that play before? Oh no, no, ended. I was right. I, I, it was Sharon Lois and Bram. I, I, I knew. So it's the same thing. Sharon Lois and Bram's Elephant Show. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I I thought that it was the three of those 
Weirdos. Yep. There you go. <laughs> oh man. I, I I will say that uh I was the type of kid who anytime I had to go around my house at night, I was just terrified. Mm-hmm. I lived in a very scary house growing up. I lived in a yeah. in a hundred year old at the time, hundred year old house that just had a lot of creepy noises and shadows and stuff. So, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and give Skinnamarink a score. I we'll start with you cuz I honestly, I don't know where I'm sitting with this one. This one was a roller coaster of of scores for yeah. me. I I feel it. I'm like a six and a half, like maybe a seven, but that's only if you count all of the, you know, outside stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Say six and a half. I will say, man, oh, this is so hard. Cause like the overall experience, I was just, I, was, I, let, I was so kind of let down by it. So I don't know, man, like five and a half. I would say five and a half. Yeah. I'll stick with there that. You go. Uh, so this is, again, this is playing in theaters now. It should be out on Shutter relatively soon, I think. So, yeah, check it out there. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I can't remember who who was first last time, so you can go. You can start us off, Kevin. Uh, I think you're dying to hear what I thought about white noise. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't no, talk. No. I didn't talk about white noise on the show either. No Bombach, which first off I got to say is this does not feel like a Noah Bombach movie at all. I mean, little bits here and there, but this is so vastly different than what you normally see from him in a lot of ways. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I was very concerned at first because I hate movies, you know, this being adapted from a novel. Uh, A large portion of the beginning of this movie is just rapid fire like paragraphs that I I can only assume are just lifted from the novel, you know, it's just overwritten dialogue, just everyone's talking mm-hmm. and it's just nonstop. And it's just, I hate it so much. Cause I'm like, if I want to read the book, I'll read the fucking book. Okay. If that's what I want. If I want the literature stuff, I'll, I'll read literature. I don't want it in my movie. And it's just too much for me in the beginning, but then it kind of evened out a little bit. I found this movie to be far funnier than what I was expecting. I actually pretty much, for the most part, enjoyed Adam Driver in this. It didn't completely work for me, but it worked enough that I enjoyed myself. Oh, that's good. I didn't really Which enjoy I was, I was completely surprised. Because, you know, from what you told me, and from what I even read, you know, I wasn't really looking to watch this. And then the, how the beginning, how it starts out with the rapid-fire dialogue and everything, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And this is over two hours long, and I'm going to have to sit through it. But it got better, thank God. Yeah, it really wasn't for me. I just wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't into it. I know I, my dad asked me if I saw it, and he said that he, tur- he couldn't even watch it. He turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> he was, my dad was really not into it. I could see that, without a doubt. I mean, there were it had its moments. I didn't hate it or anything. I gave it a two on Letterbox. 
Uh, all right, let's see. I saw The Vagrant from 1992, directed by Chris Wallace. This stars Bill Paxton as a a guy. He's like an analyst or something, and he's he's finally making it in the world, and he and he's got enough to to buy his own house. So he buys his very first house. It's a fixer upper, but you know it's got good bones. But the problem here is that there's a vagrant that lives on the streets near his house, and this vagrant sort of just uh, sets his sights on Bill Paxton and basically terrorizes him. And to the point where he's like kind of, he's not even sure if he's real. He doesn't know if he's going insane, but uh, it's, it's a, just a goofy comedy of, of errors here. Michael Ironside's in there. It's, um, I don't know how I feel about this. It's for some reason, Bill Paxton, like earlier in his career, man, he would make some really (laughs) weird movies. He sure did. And all his movies were like super gross too. Like this movie is really gross. Uh, Marshall Bell plays the, the vagrant and he's made up to look like the most horrific monster and you know it's got it's got a lot of those kind of '90s hallmarks where it's there's just like a lot of gross out stuff in here, and I, I would call it like a horror comedy, very like light on horror elements, and it just it eventually it goes completely off the rails and just gets so ridiculous. But if you're looking for some early 90s kind of B-movie fun. Don't expect it to be good, but it's still kind of fun. Then maybe check out The Vagrant. Looks like it's on Tubi. Check it out on Tubi, yeah. It's such a Tubi movie. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Mm. Well, the the other thing that I watched was on Hulu. This is Saradosa's Fire of Love documentary from last year. About the two uh, Vulcan Vulcanologists, Vul- Vul- I don't know how the fuck that shit's pronounced. Volcanologist, I guess. French couple, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Vast archive. Maurice, he's the guy. He filmed everything, and his wife Katya, she was like the still photographer taking all the pictures, right? And they did go into all these fucking volcanoes. They were essentially like they even talked about it where they were like. Freelance, which is like the best way to describe it, I guess. They would just get a call from like their network of people, either call, telegram, whatever it is. Hey, this volcano in Zaire is getting ready to go. And they would just fly there, do whatever they have to do. Another one, they would fly there. So they have all this footage. And this documentary is like a little bit about their expeditions and stuff, but it's more so about like their relationship as a couple. But they utilize all these archival footage the still photography the all the films that they made all the footage that they have and first off all their footage is incredible it's just ridiculously incredible uh if you're into volcanoes you know you got like some of the best footage that you're ever going to see volcanoes so you got all that going for it right but the other thing that's just very bizarre is like as soon as you see these two 
and you see their footage of them just like interacting a little bit, you're like, this is the life aquatic. Like everything, like the entirety of that film style is here in their archival footage. Nice. Like even though the way they shoot, the way that they act, the hats that they're wearing, like everything. You're just like, oh, Wes Anderson must have watched a bunch of these volcano films that they made and then did the same thing, but with the ocean. Also Clouseau, right? Like a lot of... So it's, it's kind of wild in that regard. But I definitely... Because, I mean, I don't think you're, you're going to see better footage of volcanoes and lava flows. Cool. Yeah. All right. Check this out. This is uh, Fire of Love. Looks like it's on Hulu and Disney Plus. So if you have either one, I saw Deadly Friend by Wes Craven. My my goal. I, I need to. I'm trying to fill in some blanks when it comes to to Wes Craven. I saw almost all of his stuff, but there's a couple things here and there that I haven't seen, and Deadly Friend was one of them. What this is about is a this this kid moves into this this small town and he has a, a robot buddy he built a robot that has mm-hmm. like this custom ai and so it learns and it, it it's able to think and he is friends with this robot and these like bullies i guess uh or uh, sorry uh what happens is a neighbor played by uh Antwerney, no, Anne Ramsey. God, I'm getting everything wrong with this movie. Uh, Anne Ramsey shoots the robot and destroys it. Meanwhile, you have Christy Swanson in here is playing the girl next door, and her abusive father ends up pushing her down the stairs, and she ends up in a in a coma, and they pull the plug, so she she dies. And what the kid does is he takes the the brain out of his robot and sticks it into the body of Christy Swanson and sort of reanimates her. But she is kind of a cross between the robot and the girl. And uh, she ends up like killing Anne Ramsey in an amazing way, I will tell you, she picks up a basketball and throws it so hard at Anne Ramsey's head that her entire head explodes, scanner style. And it is incredible. Um, and then she, yeah, she just uh, kind of turns into this murderous, uh, like reanimated cyborg. It's okay. Really, the the part that I mentioned with the Anne Ramsey head explosion from from a basketball is probably the best part. But you know, it's yeah. it's um yeah, it's a fun '80s watch. I would say, you know, yeah. Well, it sounds like you have to watch it for that. I need to see someone. I need to see that. I have to see it. But the fact that it's Anne Ramsey, you know, throw Mama from a train, yeah, makes it even better. Yes, it does. It's just that all the, it's everything that you want. Yeah. You need it. Christy Swanson beaming Ann Ramsey in the face with the basketball so hard that it, her head explodes. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, that's great. 
Uh, the only other thing I have, which is just going to be real quick, is uh, on Amazon Prime. It's called Wildcat. This is a documentary about a this young British soldier. When he comes back from Afghanistan, he goes to Peru, meets a meets a woman there that's running this like wildlife conservation thing that she started. She's from Seattle, and uh, he kind of gets tasked with trying to reintroduce a baby ocelot into the wild. And of course, you know, it's all about like his redemption and all those things. It's, it's fine. It's, it just felt a lot like a reality TV show and not, you know, the documentary that I was necessarily looking, looking towards. But if that interests you, have at it. Cool. All right. That's Wildcat. All right. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Missing is the biggie. This is the sequel to Searching. Which, oh, okay. which I liked. I liked searching quite a bit, actually. And this one looks pretty good, too. Um, I don't know if I'm, like, still quite as enamored with the whole screen life movie thing. Mm-hmm. But this one, it still looks pretty good. So I don't know if I'll see this in theaters, but I do want to check it out at some point. I do love the idea of watching a screen life movie on a giant screen. <laughs> I know, right? Like I saw searching in the theater and it does feel weird because it's like a computer screen, but it's giant. Yeah. <laughs> it does almost feel like you should be watching this on a laptop. Yeah, exactly. Which is weird to say about pretty much any movie except this kind of movie. It's a hundred percent. Um, VOD this week, I don't have a whole lot on my list here, but I think I might be missing some either way. We've got snowfalls coming out on the 17th. Uh, and then on the Friday, the 20th, we have, uh, young E on Netflix, which looks to be a, uh, like a Korean sci-fi action movie actually looks pretty good. Then on Blu-ray this week. We got The Menu coming out. I would give that a light recommend. I don't know about on Blu-ray, but just no. you know, checking it out on VOD or whatever. Uh, Cloverfield's getting a 4K release. Wrath of Man. That's the Guy Ritchie one from 2021. We got They Live coming out in 4K. The 1988 yeah. John Carpenter classic. Hell yeah. That used to be my favorite Carpenter movie. I don't know if it still is or not. It's hard. It's, it's hard. A, it's, it is. It's up there, though. It's oh, up there. oh, for sure. Yeah. Featuring one of the longest fist fights in probably any any movie ever. It's like 20 Where minutes that? long. That and Die Bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Die Bad, the only reason Die Bad has theirs is because they live exists. Exactly. We have uh, Missing in Action, the trilogy. So we've got all three of the Chuck Norris action movies coming out in a little box set. Um, Big Time Gambling. Oh, wait, is that a criterion? No, I don't think so. Big Time Gambling Boss from 1968 is coming out on a limited edition Blu-ray. Lady Whirlwind and Hopkido from 1972 is getting a release from Arrow. Programmed to Kill from 1987. Gonna add that to my list. 
No Mercy from 1986 with Richard Gere and Kim Basinger. Ghost Warrior from 1984. Uh, Till from last year. Spin Me Round from last year. Uh, Death Knot from 2021. Let's see what else we got here. Voodoo Macbeth from 2021. Uh, that's pretty much it. What about Criterion's? Uh, we got one. We got another box set. And it's Lars von Trier's first three movies. Mm. The Europe trilogy. See, the element of crime, epidemic, and Europa. I've never seen any of those. Uh, I've only seen element of crime, which is really good. Check that out. I'm interested in that. I think it's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you later.